Recently, several of our church members have posted pictures of themselves from their senior year to honor our 2020 graduates, and I have really enjoyed looking at those pictures. Now, a few of them are a couple years removed from their senior year. They're a little dated, but I can still recognize them in their senior pictures. I can see Carol's beautiful eyes, and I can see Jackie's remarkable smile, and Ron's strong jawline. They're just great, great pictures. And even though they're perhaps a couple years old, you can still recognize them. I have not posted my senior picture yet. Um, I don't know that I feel good about my senior picture. I was tall and lanky my senior year. My, my nickname was BP, uh, which stands for beanpole. So you can only imagine what I looked like. And people said that they could recognize me from a mile away by how I walked. So I, I don't know what that, that means, but nonetheless, you might not be seeing a senior picture of me anytime soon. How do you recognize somebody? Is it the way they walk or carry their shoulders, their eyes, their smile, their jawline? Uh, I know Trump is recognized by his orange hair sometimes or by his cheeks. We have a, a church member named Chris who uh, we recognize him by his beard. In fact, we have a few logos, um, which is just his beard, but everybody knows that it refers to Chris. Uh, how do you recognize somebody? Well, uh, maybe that depends on the time of day or the day of the week. Uh, you can tell that somebody's gone to church on Sundays when you're eating at a restaurant and you see people dressed up. You know that they came from church. Uh, you can tell that somebody's getting ready for bed because they're wearing their pajamas. Well, that used to be the case until we're sheltered in place now pajamas become uh, an everyday apparel. In fact, somebody said that they did a load of pajamas so they have their work clothes done for the week. How do you recognize people? Well, in the story today that Linda read, the two men don't recognize Jesus. I don't know if you saw that or if you were surprised by that at all because this happened the very same day of Jesus' resurrection. I mean, how could you not recognize him in that one day? But further, I would ask you about the scars on his hand and his feet and his side. Remember, those are what were identifying marks to doubting Thomas the apostle. Did these two not see the scars on his hand and in his feet? How could they not recognize Jesus? You know, I don't think it was their fault. It wasn't their fault at all because the text says that they were prevented from recognizing. It was a spiritual blindedness where they saw, but they did not understand. They were prevented from recognizing. And so these disciples who obviously were familiar with Jesus, obviously believed that Jesus was going to restore Israel, they had high hopes, and they were now devastated. They were true followers who were with Jesus. Perhaps they were with him in the feeding of the 5,000. Perhaps they were with him when he entered Jerusalem. 
they really did love Jesus and followed him, and yet they couldn't recognize him. And that reminds me that you can know all the facts about Jesus. You can really want to believe. Um, you could know the stories, the feeding of the 5,000, or Palm Sunday and the entry into Jerusalem. You could know all the facts and still not believe. Because faith is not the accumulation of facts, but faith is a spiritual gift. It's something that God gives us. There are people out there who want to argue the case for Jesus, thinking by winning the argument, they will win a convert. Uh, there's people who master the skill of apologetics in order to prove their case. But just because you can prove the facts against the skeptics does not mean that it'll automatically evoke faith because faith is a gift from God. And these two on the way to Emmaus had all the facts, more facts than you and I will have because they actually experienced it and yet they could not recognize, they didn't see. You see, there's a, a difference between a spiritual recognition and a human recognition. Spiritual recognition is a gift from God and human recognition is what we all have or have tried to master. Spiritual recognition is not based on our intelligence. Uh, Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 4 that uh, we are considered fools. Somebody could be brilliant and by virtue of believing in Jesus Christ, crucified and resurrected, in many circles, that brilliant person would automatically be labeled a fool because that is a spiritual recognition, which is a gift from God, considered foolish by carnal people. So I can relate to these two men who don't see until Jesus reveals himself because faith is a gift from God. Therefore, there is no reason to boast, is there? If it's a gift from God, it's not something that we earned, not something that we developed on our own, but something that God has given to us, which is part of the reason that we Christians search the scriptures and study the Bible because we believe that God's word is living and active. And so therefore, we study these scriptures believing that God, through the Bible and through the Holy Spirit, will teach us as a gift, not because of our own intellectual prowess, but because God is good and wants to give us the information that we need to strengthen our faith. So today I want to challenge you with the idea that we need to begin to see things with spiritual eyesight and not through our carnal eyes. I want to challenge you today to begin to see things with a spiritual recognition and not just what the eyes can see only. I don't know um, what you see as you're 
watching today's sermon. For some of you, perhaps you see me sitting on a pew in the church and you see stained glass windows. Oh, those stained glass windows and those pews. <laughs> They've created some quarrels and fighting in this church. I hope we can recognize now, now that we're not allowed to come into the church and worship together, how really important the furniture and the windows are. Perhaps you see those things, but today you see them for what they really are, just physical structures. Maybe what you see today is empty pews because we're not allowed to meet together and worship. Oh, my heart grieves over our lack of meeting together and worship. I've been so beside myself because meeting together is so important to our faith. But it's not necessary. It's not necessary that we go to a building and go to a public worship service. Uh, how wonderful it is, but not necessary. So maybe you see the empty pews. I think probably what you see as you hear this passage and you listen to the sermon um, is representative of the amount of maturity that you have. Do you see God in the little things in life? Or do you have to have a production or a show in order to see God? My challenge for you today is to see God in the little things, to see with spiritual eyes. And that requires maturity. That's not to say that um, people who don't have maturity can't see God, but the more we could have the maturity that comes with Christian living, the more we can see God and the little things. I'm thinking of uh, two answers given by two um, husbands. One husband, newly married, says, my wife is the most beautiful woman in the world. And on that wedding day, dressed in white, with flower girls, the center of attention, I think he does mean it. And he's probably right. In his eyes, this woman is the most beautiful woman of all. But I compare or contrast that with the husband of 50 years who sees his wife and says that my wife is the most beautiful woman in the world. Oh, I, I think he means it too. But he means it um, from a different place, from a different standpoint, a different level of love maturity. Both answers were correct, but one answer shows a deeper meaning than another. That's my challenge for you today, is to see God in everything, to, to see God and to recognize God in everything. Miss Helen, the church secretary, and Rebecca, our children's ministry assistant, found a moth on our church office door this week. Rebecca took a picture so beautiful. Rebecca didn't see it as an insect to be killed, but instead as a creative work of God. The challenge is to see with God's eyes, and that takes maturity. In fact, we recognize that all humans are priceless, 
because they are created in the image of God. You remember that, don't you, from Genesis chapter 2? That God created humanity in his image. In his image, they were created. And so every living human has value because they have been created in the very image of God. Do you know one of the Ten Commandments forbids people from making an idol or some such in the image of God? That's how important the image of God is. It's so important that we are not allowed to make something in the image of God, that we are to keep that image sacred and holy. Then would you realize that if all humans are created in the image of God, that there's incredible value in every single human being. So don't, don't let the world divide us. Don't let the world redefine the value of humans, be it based on finances or political views or race or gender or all these other things. Don't let the world separate us from the love of God. And that love pertains to and involves other humans created in God's image. So the challenge is to recognize people with the eyesight of God through spiritual eyesight. Well, they did eventually recognize Jesus, these two disciples on the way to Emmaus, but they recognized Jesus when he broke the bread. I mean, of all the things, why is it the breaking of bread that they recognized Jesus. Some would say the, it's in the breaking of bread they recognize Jesus because the reference there is to communion. And I think they do have a point because Jesus did, in a sense, use the words of institution. He took, he gave thanks, he broke. The words of institution relating to communion. And so perhaps they recognized Jesus in communion, and so therefore they recognized Jesus in this story, which we certainly, when we come together as a church, we recognize the body, which is Jesus, and we recognize the body, which is the church gathered together. But I don't think it's communion. I don't think it's communion because the text reveals that this is a meal that they're meeting together to eat and celebrate, and not the Lord's Supper. So it's in the context of a meal that they recognize Jesus and the breaking of bread. Perhaps they were present when Jesus broke the bread and fed the multitudes. Maybe Jesus' ministry was uh, so involved in eating that when they saw Jesus eating, that's when they recognized him. I mean, after all, Jesus was accused of being a glutton, which implies eating, and one who eats with sinners, which indicates eating. Maybe Jesus' ministry involved eating to the extent that these two disciples finally recognized him when he broke the bread among food. I think we can recognize Jesus amidst eating, 
And I'll tell you, when we, when we finally get to come back together and worship in this facility, we're going to have a carry-in dinner. I have been missing my pies and all the great stuff that this church makes. But more than eating together, the food, I'm talking about the fellowship, sitting together, laughing, uh, catching up with each other, getting to know other people. There's so much power in our times of eating together. And perhaps this shelter-in-place order has separated us as a church where we can't have fellowship dinners, but maybe you can eat together uh, with your family at home. And maybe um, the context of that eating together can be a time where you also talk about faith issues. They recognized Jesus when he broke the bread. Communion, um, eating together. I really think in my opinion, this is a reference to Jesus being invited as guest and ultimately becoming the host. Did you see that? Jesus kind of acted like he was just going to go further into the evening. And they said, no, it's getting late. Come into our house and come and eat with us. So they invited him as a guest to come and to eat. But then he changed or transitioned from being a guest to being the host. And he took the bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. You see, I think we recognize God most when we put God in charge. If you want to see God in your marriage, you put God in charge of your marriage. If you want to see God in your finances, you put God and charge your finances. When you put God in charge of things, you're going to recognize God. We see God most when we become less and he becomes more. So I really think that's what's going on. I think that when they see Jesus being Jesus, which is the host, that's when they recognize him. That's when the veil is removed and they recognize Jesus. And so, with what eyes are you seeing the world today, or your home, or even yourselves? Have you put Jesus as the host, or he's a traveling companion? Hey, I wanna tell you, you can't just take Jesus in little parts. Jesus is not an additive He's not just a guest. If you invite Jesus into your life, he's going to take over. He's going to become the host. And that's a good thing. The more God takes over our life, the more we see God in the little everyday things of life. Whether that's a moth or a stranger or anything. Oh, I really want to encourage you to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. Part of me wants to convince you of the facts, convince you of the historicity of Jesus and the Bible, and there's plenty of things to convince you of. History is solidly in our corner. 
But I recognize that even if you knew all the facts, even if you could experience yourself in some way walking with Jesus, that that would not be enough. Because faith is a gift from God, not an intellectual achievement. And so I would ask you today, I would ask you to to invite Jesus Christ into your life to pray, O oh Lord, come into my heart. Come into my heart. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I would encourage you to pray that prayer and take the first step, the first step being to acknowledge God, to acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then, like I was telling you, you don't just get part God. There's no 10% Jesus. It's all in. If you invite Jesus as guest, he will become the host. And so I want to partner with you. If you've asked Jesus into your life, I want to partner with you that you would be all in, that you would allow Jesus to take over. And one of the most beautiful pictures of allowing God to take over your life completely is in Christian baptism. You see, in Christian baptism, we submerse the person in the baptistry completely underwater, and then we raise them up. And so they're covered in the watery grave of baptism, and then they're raised up in the newness of life and partnership with Jesus. So baptism is a beautiful picture of being all in. We even say, uh, many of us, when we baptize the person, we say, dead to sin. And then when we lift them out of the water, we say, alive in Christ. So maybe that is the next step for you, is to invite Christ and to go public and be all in. I'm available all week at your convenience to immerse you into Christ. Because you don't just accept a little bit of Christ. He becomes the host. And when God becomes the host, then God takes over, which is a good thing. Oh, that we could see with God's eyes and not our own carnal eyes. Oh, that we could see people as the image of God and not in the way that our world tells us. So in this story, this beautiful little story, we understand that faith is a gift from God. And so my sermon to you today is, oh, that you would accept that gift, that you would go all in, and that you would see differently because God is the master of your life. And so let's pray together. Oh, Lord God, we thank you for the gift, which is Jesus. His death on the cross, his resurrection, Lord, we believe. Oh, help our unbelief. And so, Lord, in our prayer today, we pray that we could be sold out for you, that you could become the host of our everything, of our lives, of our finances, of our relationships, over everything. And Lord, that you would inspire us to see others as the image of Christ.
the image of God and which you intended. So, Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.